You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. Citizens of Gotham to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, and that, of course, is Batman the Cape Crusader. As you all know, I am one of your hosts. My name is Philip Barker, alongside my heroic and Alfredic, Alfred Pennyworth-esque co-host, Mr. Craig Blaylock. Craig, my guy. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> Sorry. Cat in the face. Go oh, sit down. You got your cat in your face. He just decided every time, man. Every time, he's like, oh, you're about to start recording? All right, Dad, I'm going to jump on you. Is that Mordecai? Yep. Of course. It's always Mordecai. Yeah, R- Rigby, Rigby can't jump because of his condition, so right. Mordecai's the one i got to watch out for. Yeah, go over there. Shoot. Freaking Mordecai. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm doing good. It's been, a, it's been a bit, but we both, you, you had some stuff going on, and I've had all kinds of stuff going on at work, so. Well, I mean, you know, life finds a way. Yep. As the as the old Jurassic Park adage goes, uh, but you're right. You know, it's been a been a minute since we uh, did our last episode, which was a fun one. That was a fun yeah. episode. Last one we did that was Justice League Doom, wasn't it? Yeah, Justice League Doom, and then just That's before right. that was our uh, a Venom episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were we were not nice. <laughs> we were yeah. we were just not nice on that episode. <laughs> well, one of my buddies, Alan, actually listened to the episode. And I went out. <clears throat> excuse me went out to brunch with him the other day and he's like man you did you guys didn't hold back on that one i'm like yeah you know sometimes sometimes you just gotta let the venom flow man and a thor love and thunder brought it out of me oh man that was you know to start this episode off you and i were kind of talking about this a little bit before off off mic off the off the air off recording and um unfortunately listeners you all know we all know we're Craig and I were really looking forward to Gotham Knights. It's gonna kind of tie. Yeah. It's, it's gonna kind of tie into what we're here to talk about tonight. Um, but to just kind of preface this, I played the game, was not a fan. Yeah, I like I told you when we were talking before this. I just have had these like suspicions about the game really ever since it got announced. Like when it first got announced, I was like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. 
And then little details start leaking out like, oh, well, this game might not be entirely co-op. And I'm sitting there going, but that's how you advertise it. You advertise it as this, you're the new heroes of Gotham and you're going to go into this open world and you're going to defend Gotham from all the villains because the Batman is gone. And then, you know, I think it was like two, three weeks before the game came out. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you can't play the campaign with four players. You can only do two. And that right there, I'm like, boy, that that's really something to announce, you know, two weeks before your game comes out. And then there was, you know, announcements about the performance of the game, that it was only going to be 30 frames per second. And you're like, well, this is a supposed next gen game. What's going on here? And. I just had a funny feeling about it. I was optimistic still, but, and then <laughs> Phil sends me a message and he's just like, yeah, I played Gotham Knights. It's not good. And it kind of bums me out to say that because everything yeah. leading up to the game was pretty promising. I mean, the Court of Owls are mm -hmm. obviously a very new addition to Batman's Rogues Gallery. I was looking forward to that, but I, I shit you not, everybody. Like, this, this game is just not fun it unfortunately you know a lot of the reviews call the combat repetitive i can speak to that it, I, I feel that is very much the case um i think the loot system where you have to get certain things and certain items to bulk your gear up it's like this is kind of a waste of time um there are a lot of hollow performances in terms of character portrayals and i don't know the story was just super uninteresting and I it, it bums it really bums me out to say that because after you watch the opening cinematic you basically have an idea of how the game is going to end and I think that in and of itself is a bit of a detriment because for comparison's sake you know if you're playing Arkham Asylum you know you obviously you know you start the game off by bringing the Joker into Arkham Asylum and then he mm -hmm. breaks out and then that's 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 the gist of the game you have to navigate through Arkham Asylum who's literally run by the madhouse himself right then you go into Arkham City and you're like I have no idea what's going to happen in Arkham yeah. City because when you start Arkham City off you start Arkham City off as Bruce Wayne being interrogated by Hugo Strange who lets him know hey I know you're Batman so you better mind your manners or I'm going to let the world know who you are right yep you got a buzz and then there's Arkham Knight which was a total like uh how is this going to end Scarecrow has Gotham in in a straight hell grip like what are we doing and you get to actually use the Batmobile in that one too. So there, there, there were really just a lot of real nice perks to those games. And then you get to Gotham Knights, and it's it doesn't feel like that at all. And, and I'm not even trying to imply that from the go that this game was supposed to be like a, a sequel in any way, shape, or form. Because they made it abundantly clear that it wasn't. But Yeah, they said it was like an offshoot. Like an offshoot, different universe. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. And all the villains they had were pretty cool. Like, again, you know, Court of Owls, Mr. Freeze, Clayface, Harley Quinn. Like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was here for them. I'm not. I got three hours into this game, and I just put it down. I, I could not deal with the repetitive combat. Um, the map looks cool, but it's large, and it's, again, kind of similarly repetitive, where you just kind of go around beating the crap out of thugs and goons and freaks and shit like that and and you know you get items or whatever and then you go back to the belfry and just kind of tinker around until you go back out the next night it's 
in the story again like i i i felt myself going i I literally felt myself falling asleep within an hour of playing this game i was like this is not cool yeah when you even told me you said that the um even the detective mode stuff is just bare bones basic which again that's kind of what some of those arkham games were known for yes very much so like a lot of the arkham games specifically you know, even Arkham Origins, as much as I, as, as least of that Arkham quadrilogy that I like, our Origins being that one, it was still, it still made an effort to do something different. And I think that the detective mode that they utilized in that made all the difference for that game. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. It, it just kind of bums me out because I was really looking forward to this, especially when it was announced. It looked really cool, looked really clean, but then... I don't know. I, I have no idea what the developers were thinking when they decided to scrap it on PS4 and Xbox One. I feel like they really should have kept that, truthfully. Like, I think that was a mistake. Um, and again, again, like, it's it's it, it was just really unfortunate to just kind of hop into this game and just have it feel more hollow than it was. I have a feeling this is going to be... I mean, you got to also consider the fact that this, like you said, this is a current gen game now yep you know they scrapped the ps4 and xbox one versions so you're talking a game that is 69.99 i have a feeling this game we're gonna see this game at like 40 bucks in the next like i'm gonna shoot for like two three weeks this game's gonna be on sale oh i wouldn't be too surprised it it's kind of shitty that gotham knights is almost the the avengers of the warner brothers games yeah for real (laughs) like and i haven't even played the avengers game yet because i've just heard so many just not good things about it i couldn't do it i tried yeah i I gave it i gave it a shot but kind of like you i think i got maybe four hours into that game and i was like i I can't do this yeah and it's pretty rare for me to you know play a game for that amount of time and just kind of trail off it and not be into it it's it's pretty rare usually i'll try and stick it out to the end like the more i progressed in arkham origins the less i felt the story but i still felt compelled to be like okay how does this end right gotham knights it's like i I mentioned it to you i'm not going to spoil it or anything because it was already spoiled upon me but the minute you finish the opening cinematic of this game you pretty much already know who the final boss is and you already (laughs) have an idea of how it's going to happen and it's 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 just like you, you then you when you have that in your mind you're just like well what the hell's the point right yeah i don't know i was disappointed that's probably the best way i can say it i'm not mad i'm just disappointed so i'm just going to probably turn it in and get put that money towards something else that i actually do want to play so yeah that's that's my mini review of gotham knights and it's a mini review cuz i didn't play it for very long <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, speaking of Court of Owls, that is kind of the gist of our episode today. I, I kind of came up with the idea to Craig that we would talk about supervillains in Batman's Rogues Gallery kind of one at a time, one episode at a time to really, really dive deep into just what makes these villains so intriguing, 
what makes these villains stand out amongst the other ones, what makes them so timeless to some extent or another, and what makes them worthy to be in Batman's pantheon of great supervillains. And I feel like any time you talk about any of Batman's villains, you could really go on a tangent about any of them. And I feel like any one of the villains, the big bads, the big ones, the big names, they do deserve, you know, episodes to themselves. Because you really could carve out podcast episodes about the Joker, about the Riddler, about Penguin, about Mr. Freeze, about Clayface, you know. There's Baby a, doll. Okay, let's <laughs> pump the brakes. Let's not take it too far. I'm, I'm sure Terrence almost threw up just listening yep, to that. a little bit. But before we get into that, there was a lot of news in between our last episode and this episode that I'm sure you and I would love to talk about. Yeah, quite a bit, man. Freaking, what, I'd say in the last week? At least been, in the last there's week, There's been so yeah. much. Like, first and foremost, um, to kind of tap into what was announced previously... Um, the Arkham Asylum series is not dead. Uh, they actually just found a creator in Antonio Campos, creator, showrunner, director. Uh, this is coming from Variety, of which I am reading this. Uh, the Batman spinoff series about Arkham Asylum at HBO Max has brought on Antonio Campos as its new writer. As Variety has learned exclusively from sources. Trust me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the sources also say that Campio, Cam, uh, wow, Campos will direct and serve as showrunner, executive producer on the series, should his version of the show ultimately go forward. Matt Reeves previously said that the original plan G GCPD series evolved into what is now Arkham Asylum. An individual with knowledge of the situation now says that the two are in fact completely separate and that the jo Gotham PD series remains in development. The Gotham PD series was originally announced in July 2020 with a series commitment at the time. The show was meant to be about the inner workings of GCPD, set within the same world as Reeves the Batman, Terrence Winter writing and executive producing. News broke in November that Winter had left the series over creative differences. And then, of course, not long after that, uh, creator Joe Barton was then brought on board, but Warner Brothers ultimately parted ways with Barton as well. Uh, reps for Campos, HBO Max, and Warner Brothers declined to comment. Reeves is executive producing the Arkham Asylum show under his Six in Idaho banner, along with the companies Daniel Pipsky and Adam Kassan. Dylan Clark will also executive produce with Six in Idaho's Rafi Carone. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Co-executive producing Warner Brothers Television is also the studio. Reeves is currently under an overall deal at WBTV. The Arkham Asylum show does not have an official logline at this time, but Reeves previously described it as like a horror movie or haunted house that is Arkham. It is the third Batman spin-off series with uh, Colin Farrell set to reprise the world of the Penguin in his own standalone show, which actually starts shooting sometime early next year, if I'm not mistaken. It says Campos is no stranger to HBO Max as he previously worked with the streaming service on the critically acclaimed true crime limited series The Staircase. Campos was the writer, director, executive producer, and showrunner on the project, which did in fact star Colin Firth and Tony Collette as Michael and Kathleen Peterson, respectively. It debuted on HBO Max in, er, in May of 2020, May this year, 2022. Aside from The Staircase, Campos' previous TV credit includes executive producing and directing multiple episodes of the hit USA Network crime anthology series The Sinner including the pilot in season two of the premiere. He also directed an episode during the first season of the Marvel Netflix series Punisher. Oh, wow, okay. That I did not know. Mm -hmm. On the feature side, he wrote and directed films such as Simon Killer and After School, his film The Devil All the Time. Really? Now that's a good one. That's The Devil All the Time? Yeah, with Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland. Yeah, that's a 
damn good movie. I didn't know he directed that, but all right. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It is an awesome movie. It's based off of the novel by Donald Ray Pollock, which released in 2020. Yeah, Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland deliver some of the most diverse performances they've given out of any roles they've done in a long while. Like, Robert Pattinson is actually the bad guy in that. Well, antagonist, I guess, would be the, the better way of saying that. Hmm. That's yeah, good. I like the devil all the time. Yeah, I really like it's interesting to see how this show has evolved. Like like you said, it started as a show about the GCPD, which sounded intriguing at first. I mean, yeah, that does sound interesting kind of seeing the inner workings of the police department. But knowing now that we're getting a show about Arkham, I'm ten times more interested. You'd have to imagine this is going to include some kind of joker story you got to, yeah i mean that's given the way that the, the joker was introduced in the batman be it the deleted scene or just the scene that showed up at the end of the movie mm-hmm. given that the show is about arkham asylum and that's where the joker is i would have to imagine that that's exactly the slot of where his story could take place of how he wound up there that's just my guess i don't know that for fact but that's just kind of my my train of thought I'm also curious as to what the time frame is going to be for this. Is this going to be set before the events of the Batman? Is this going to be during the events? Is this afterwards? Or is it going to be like a timeline? Are we going to see kind of like the history of Arkham? Then maybe we see present day Arkham as we kind of move through the storylines. I'm very curious to see where in the timeline of that universe where they're going to set it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I think Colin Farrell mentioned that the Penguin show is going to pick up literally after the Batman. So Yeah, I could see that because even just that final shot of Penguin looking out his window at the end, the final like minute of the Batman, it that's right there to me is like the setup, you know. He now he's looking out at this city and going, oh, this is this could be mine for the taking now. Mm-hmm. And in, I think the GCPD show was supposed to be treated as more of like the year one kind of tale. Yeah. Something to that effect. And speaking of year one, you know, Paul Dano is actually writing a Riddler comic titled Riddler Year One. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't that, know that. I think it actually, the first issue comes out this month. Oh. Yeah, let me check. Let me check on that. Oh, yeah. Went on sale today, as of this recording, October 25th. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so... And Dano wrote it? Yeah. Yeah, so... Wow. Apparently, I watched an interview between uh, Matt Reeves and Paul Dano about how they came across this, and they were just kind of shooting the idea, like, Dano shot Reeves the idea of, hey, what if this was going on through Edward Nashton's head within his first year of, you know seeing the Batman in action, et cetera, et cetera. And Matt Reeves was really into that idea so much so that the very next day he called Jim Lee and said, Hey, Paul has a really great idea for this sort of Riddler year one story. Would this be something you and DC comics would be open to doing? And well, they did it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I have not read it. I, I, since I have stopped working at a comic book store, that was 10 months ago. (laughs) <laughs> I have not really been picking up comics. I didn't really... Last time I actually picked up comics was like February. So I've been kind of out of the comics game. 
Um, I've been kind of contemplating on getting Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Ultimate, whatever the hell it's called, Infinite. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about doing that again just to save myself some time. But um, that's another thing. Uh, DC Universe has now like a... DC Universe Infinite now has like some kind of ultra tier which allows you to read new comics within 30 days of release. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but I think the ultra tier is like you have to pay for the yearly subscription and it's like a hundred bucks. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna it's say... A little, little steep, but... Yep. yep. I mean, depending on how much you're reading. I mean, theoretically... If I wanted to blow that money and do it now, I could. I just don't yeah. want to because I'm saving yeah. my money for other reasons. But, yeah, that that is something I've considered, just getting DC Universe Infinite again just so I could go back to reading comics. That way I don't have to go to a comic book store. Even though there is one, like, right around the corner from where I work that I haven't checked out yet, but I've been meaning to check out, just haven't because of reasons, personal reasons. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's a, there's a whole just canvas there on, on where excuse me, Matt Reeves started with the Batman that is just itching to be filled out. And I think the Arkham Asylum show, the Penguin show, the GCPD show, like they're all very much going to do that. Well, and yeah, and like I said before, I think I mentioned it on our commentary episode of the Batman. Like I'm usually not a big fan. Like I just, I don't have as much time to, you know, to invest in like the off, you know, Marvel has so many TV shows mm -hmm. and, you know, spinoffs and all this stuff. And it's like, I like those worlds and I like the characters, but man, I just don't have the free time. I got to be like really, really emotionally invested to care about that kind of stuff. And as you all know, who have been listening to us, I freaking love the Batman and I'm all for more about this world. I am all about learning more character development, watching the penguins rise through the criminal empire, and now knowing that they're doing an Arkham show, I'm totally on board with that. So this is stuff that I will dedicate my time to. And you know, I I see I've seen we saw a lot of people really give Matt Reeves like a lot of a lot of flack when this movie came out and kind of comparing him to Christopher Nolan. And I don't think that's fair no, at all. You know, not at all. And I think this in and of itself what he's wanting to do with Batman you know trying to expand out in this way where you have a TV show catered to the Penguin where you have a TV show catered to Arkham where you have a TV show catered to uh, GCPD all in HBO Max like, yeah that's great you know you can really get more out of your world that you couldn't get per se with a trilogy of films like Christopher Nolan but again you know we have to t take a step back and also remember that way back then when Christopher Nolan was developing his trilogy it was a completely different kind of landscape. Like we were not yeah. in and so ensconced in the comic book universes that we are today in, in a post Avengers world. Right. So yeah. the fact that Christopher Nolan even had the luxury of developing a trilogy in the way that he did and even going over the hurdle of losing one of his main actors that was going to be a pivotal point for the third film, you know, he really had to kind of crack down and get really really creative with that third film and you know not a lot of people are kind of 50 50 on it i think with time that movies age better but it's mm -hmm. still it's flaws show sure but i think again with time the movie has gotten a better audience out of it yeah so, absolutely and then you look forward to what matt reeves is doing and you know he got again you know 
we saw it all over the place. Like I, I remember within the week the movie coming out, people were really quick to be like, "Oh, this is just Dark Knight light. This is Dark Knight vanilla. Yeah. This is this yeah. is essentially Matt Reeves essentially doing Christopher Nolan 2.0." And I think with the announcement of doing these shows, and then on top of that, just recently, in an article that came out under a bunch of DC news, which was titled. Uh, I don't. I have the article in front of me. Let me scroll up to the title of it. DC at a turning point. James Gunn pitches secret movie. Dwayne Johnson flexes his Superman power. This is an exclusive written by Boris Kitt from The Hollywood Reporter. Now, if you go about halfway through into the article, which, again, you know, we, I'm sure we'll probably touch base about the other stuff, but more specifically in regards to what Matt Reeves is doing, it says, Meanwhile, in Gotham City, filmmaker Matt Reeves is quietly making out his own expansion plans. Reeves is developing a sequel to The Batman, which grossed a respectable $770.8 million worldwide when it released in March. Already a series spinning focusing on Colin Farrell's Penguin, as we mentioned, is filming next year. Matt Reeves is also plotting more. The filmmaker is meeting with writers and directors to build out movies. Yes, movies, not just series. Movies focused on Batman's rogues gallery, both established and more obscure with characters ranging from the Scarecrow to Clayface to Professor Pig. All of those projects are in early very early stages of gestation yeah movies craziness movies a scarecrow movie a clay face movie a professor pig pig that one like when when i was reading that article and i'm like okay okay the what professor pig really now granted it, it makes it very clear that the, the movies are focused on Batman's rogues gallery, and it just says that they range from Scarecrow to Clayface to Professor Pig. It's not explicitly stating that these three movies are happening. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. giving the idea that any one of them could get a movie, which I think of the three, Scarecrow is probably a good given. Oh, yeah. Because I, I definitely see a version of the Scarecrow existing in the Batman universe. And I that that just gives me goosebumps thinking a scarecrow set in the Matt Reeves Batman universe, which you could do that and also not really have Batman. I mean, you could have. I'm sure Robert Pattinson wouldn't mind showing up and doing you know a couple scenes here and there for each of these mm-hmm. movies. You know, I, I I wouldn't doubt me one bit. But more specifically, like if you do a whole movie set around Scarecrow, that's like shit that's like oh what what movie could you easily compare that to that's i don't want to say alice in wonderland because that's just too wild but yeah something like no i'm i almost said one movie but that wouldn't have made sense but almost like not hostile there was a movie i watched way back when i was a teenager called shrooms and these kids go uh, i've on... heard of shrooms yeah. i've never I've seen the trailer <laughs> yeah so these kids go off on this journey and they they take like the most powerful mushroom in the area and they wind up in like this trance this really bad yeah. trip that they cannot get out of and i had imagined scarecrow you could see a scarecrow movie that is almost something similar in that vein you know what I could honestly see, given that I just saw it over the weekend? Um, I think I told you about it. I just recently saw Nicolas Cage's Mandy. Yes. And what a trip that movie was. And I could definitely see something along those lines, because there's a, there's a lot of drug-inducing moments in that movie, too. I still need to watch Mandy. Oh, dude, you need to check it out. I absolutely loved it. 
Now, the big one that caught a lot of attention was Clayface. Yes. And I know... I'm sure Terrence probably passed out when he read it. I'm sure he... As a matter of fact, I think he did share a gif of it passing out. <laughs> so, yeah. Wouldn't at all surprise me. And And I think that right there speaks into what we've been talking about in regards to Matt Reeves as a filmmaker, where he's not afraid to really, you know, push the boundaries of what is reality. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, he, this we're talking about a guy who made the movie Cloverfield, the verse Cloverfield. We're talking about yep. a dude who made Planet of the... Sorry, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, yeah. War of Planet of the Apes. Where literally... Yep. The man had Andy Serkis in a mocap suit and brought <laughs> apes to life. Yep. And yet some people are like, no, he's just Christopher Nolan like get the hell out of here with yeah. that nonsense. He's just trying to he's trying to make it as realistic as Nolan. No. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. What once once Clayface was mentioned, it's all yeah. on the table now. Doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. Nothing's off the board. The door the doors are now open. If if they're willing to go to Clayface, then there's no limit now to Batman's Rogue Gallery. None. None at all. We could see Poison Ivy and maybe it's... I remember we talked about would Poison Ivy work in this world and I remember at first we were kind of like, well, you know, maybe she would be more of like an eco-terrorist. Sure. But now that they've mentioned that Clayface could be in this, then yeah, maybe we do see the, the more modern poison ivy that has you know the ability to pull plants out you know the the full-on almost like plant god that is poison ivy now or a mr freeze where he's oh oh, yeah where he's in a full bubble dome suit and he's got his freeze gun wouldn't that all surprise me or even i mean i'm sure matt hatter's probably in that conversation somewhere too he was rumored yeah matter of fact barry keoghan was rumored to be the mad hatter Matter of fact, I know I remember which stupid blog site tried to peddle that rumor. <laughs> and I'm not going to give them the airtime because they just don't deserve it. But yes, I'm glad they were wrong. You anyway. know what I just thought of too? What? Oh man, what if we saw Killer Croc? That wouldn't surprise me. Killer Croc or maybe even Solomon Grundy. Mm. Mm. That I would like to see. Well, the first movie does take its inspiration a little bit from the Long Halloween. Yeah, Solomon Grundy was in the Long what Halloween. I was thinking. Yep. Oh, speaking of Long Halloween, did you get the deluxe edition of the Long Halloween? I haven't purchased it yet. I am planning on getting it soon, though. I bought my copy last week. Matter of fact, I bought my copy the day I got my tooth pulled out. <laughs> Treat yourself. Treat yourself. That's right. Yeah, so the, the fun fact, the Long Halloween two-parter is now in deluxe edition form. Uh, I picked my copy up at my local Walmart. Yeah, see, I was planning on getting it, but like I said, I just recently saw Mandy, and I'm completely enamored with that film. Um, I bought a replica of the battle axe that Nicolas Cage makes in that movie. It is in route. It will probably be here by Friday. You bought the battle axe. Oh, I think you shared it with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. For those of you who do know, you know the weapon I'm talking about. For those of you that don't know, Google Mandy battle axe. It is a axe that Nicolas Cage forges himself in the movie to go out and hunt down a cult and it is one of the most badass weapons i have seen in a movie in a very long time you know nicholas cage was apparently up for the role of the scarecrow in the defunct fifth batman film batman triumph or batman unchained that would have been the fifth the fifth movie 
that would have been amazing would have been the third one directed by joel schumacher at the time that would have been amazing yeah i i heard him in the name for that role jeff goldblum and there was one other name attached that i don't remember but i know for sure at one point nicholas cage and jeff goldblum were like or like in talks or they were toying with the idea of like when they were still thinking about making that movie like they they wanted one of those two to be the scarecrow and they also i think wanted madonna to be harley quinn okay that's just weird it was either madonna (laughs) or courtney love one or the other i I don't really recall oh god courtney love is oh no no please no thank god that didn't happen yeah that would have been in bad taste i mean think about it even back then remember nicholas cage at one point possibly could have been superman well in the flash he very well might be i don't know if you believe all the rumors that very well might happen yeah so i don't know well he voiced superman in 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 something recently really yes oh i didn't know that i think it was one of the lego games or movies i know he voiced superman recently i just don't Superman. It was something. It was something. I just Oh, he was Superman in the Teen Titans Go movie. That's what it is. Yep. That. It's that. Yep. That. Oh boy. I mean, I I I used to just not really watch Teen Titans Go, but after a while, like it's it's charming. It's mm. kind of funny. You know what's even funnier about that? Is the guys the guys who show run that that show are directing the new Mario movie? Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Almost everything about that movie is great. At least it looks great. Mm-hmm. Except one thing. <laughs> you know what that one thing is? Oh, what's that? The voice of Mario. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Back to Batman. <laughs> and speaking of villains, you know which villain is probably is getting a sequel to his own movie, but it's not at all taking place in this universe. Um, Mr. J. Mr. J. Mr. J. Mr. J. Mr. Mr. Joaquin Phoenix get, getting <laughs> getting a Joker sequel, the first sequel that Joaquin Phoenix will ever reprise a role for. Yeah, that's crazy. Nuts. Folly ado. I'm still just like it's one of those things like I am so excited to see a full trailer of this film because I want to know like what direction do you take after what happened in the first one I just want to see what Lady Gaga does with Harley Quinn me too because that's been pretty much outright confirmed like I think Margot Robbie was recently asked on a on a carpet for Amsterdam because they're doing the press for that recently last month I think and she was asked how she felt about Lady Gaga assuming the role of Harley Quinn for the Joker sequel. And she was all praise, all for it, rightfully so. And, and I think that right there is the kind of synergy you'd want if two actors are encompassing the same roles in a, in a similar time frame. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice for her because she, last time she played the role was in The Suicide Squad, and that was last year. Joker fully ado won't even be out until 2024. So it's it's... It's just nice synergy. I don't know. But that movie apparently starts shooting next month. Crazy. That's a word for it. Yeah. No pun intended. I'm just just still trying to, like, I'm trying to process the fact that we're going to possibly get these movies on these, like, rogues gallery characters. And I, I just still can't get my mind off the fact that 
we very well at some point could get a Professor Pig movie. He's a new one. He's a Grant Morrison creation, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. He debuted... 20... 2009, I think. Uh, I think you're right. I want to say like 2009, 2010. I think if I'm remembering my history correctly, and I could be wrong, but I want to say he debuted... He's for sure Grant Morrison creation. Like, he debuted in... It was either Batman R.A.P., Black Glove, or I want to say he debuted in the reborn Batman and Robin run that he did after they killed Bruce Wayne in Final Crisis and Dick Grayson assumed the mantle of Batman and Damian Wayne became Robin. I want to say that's where Professor Pig made his debut. I'm looking at the wiki right now. So he was... He debuted as a corpse in the alternate reality story Batman number six six six. Okay, bef- that's great. Before Morrison. being yeah. before being introduced as a recurring character two years later in Batman and Robin number one. Boom! There it is. I I, I remember Grant Morrison, so I, I, I was right there. <laughs> <laughs> Laszlo Valentin. Yes. But he's kind of a, a twisted villain in his own right who would fit right along inside the Batman universe, given what yeah. we've seen between the Penguin, the Riddler, the Joker, right? Like, it, it very much makes a lot of sense for a character like that to exist in that world. And given, like, the dark, you know, the dark tone that the Batman has, and despite, like, some really cringy moments, and not so, not cringing in a bad way, but cringing as in like just very uncomfortable moments that the Batman had, you know, the uh, the rat trap that the Riddler had. Yes. You know, that film still pulled off a PG-13 rating. I don't know if a movie all about Professor Pig could be PG-13. I don't think a movie all about Professor Pig or the Scarecrow could be PG-13. No. Matter of fact, there's an argument to be made that a lot of those villains could very well get R-rated movies. Yeah. But, I'd say even even Clayface, honestly. Yeah. If depending on the route that they do, they go the you know, the actor route like the animated series did, you know, with yeah. ties to the mob and that kind of stuff. Well, the that animated I could series get rough. Yeah, the animated series took its inspiration from. They took the Basil Carlo actor route, but they gave him the name of Matt Hagen. Yep. Right. So, yep. I would wonder. If they do Clayface, because there's like three or four different Clayfaces that you do, which one would they do and why? Would they yeah. kind of pick and choose? Would they kind of morph together? No pun intended there. Um, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I just think the, I, the again, you know, the idea that even Clayface is being considered to me is just, it just proves all these whiny ass Batman fans who like to cry and whine that Matt Reeves is basically being Christopher Nolan 2.0. This completely absolves and disproves that 10 weeks yeah. of Sunday. Yeah. I'm thankful for that. And I, I don't... Just... <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, sorry. I, I don't even mean this as a slight to Christopher Nolan, but, you know, evidently Matt Reeves wants to expand on Batman in a way that Nolan could not. Yeah. You know? I mean, why do you think... Why do you think that Nolan went with the kind of more grounded villains, you know, Joker, Two-Face, um, Two-Face, Scarecrow, and even, like, Scarecrow. I could see, I mean, the Scarecrow that Reeves is going to probably come up with 
is going to be night and day different than Nolan's Scarecrow. Oh, you're not, not a... you're not getting a dude with a bag on his head that's going to shoot, you know, uh, his chemical stuff in people's face. No, that's not happening with this kind of Scarecrow. No, I definitely foresee, at least in my mind, you know, if you have someone like the Riddler who went all around Gotham City picking off political people left and right, yeah. there's a part of me that thinks you could easily do a version of the Scarecrow that's a lot like the animated series where he's from Gotham University, but instead of being ousted from Gotham University, he does experiments on college kids. Mm-hmm. That's my guess, but I I could even I see, know. you know, uh, the um, Arkham series kind of interpretation of Scarecrow, with, you know, with the, the needles on the fingers and that kind of stuff. That would be wicked. Yeah. That would be... Yeah, yeah, that'd be something. I don't know if that would be plausible, but I could... Yeah, yeah, I could get behind it. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it'd be it'd be a fun Easter egg, nonetheless, if they did that. I mean, just read it, like, look at him. I'm still on the Professor Pig wiki, and you look at... Pig is an obsessive perfectionist who sees human beings as broken individuals. He commonly kidnaps people and uses surgery and chemicals to permanently change them into mind-controlled automatons known as dolatrons, Yep. And sometimes turns people into human-animal hybrids. That I, just right there tells you what kind of direction we might be going. Yeah, that's 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 more in line with a hostile movie. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um yeah, I could I could see a version of that being R-rated. Absolutely. But there's also mention that that Reeves is hard away at a sequel, right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the villain of that sequel? Or yeah. villains, I should say, right? Now, the big rumor is Court of Owls. Yep. Which is exactly the villain we wanted to talk about today. And I'm, we're going to get to that, I would imagine, right now, right? Yeah. So, the Court of Owls, I, I, I also, just real quick, um, shout out to a brand new Batman podcast called the Batshit Podcast, hosted <laughs> by Reina and Madison. I believe that the, the host names are. Um, I'm really bad with names, full names. Anyway, anyway, yeah, just search for the Batshit Podcast wherever you get your podcast, uh, or you can follow them on Twitter, just at Batshit Pod. Um, they have a really cool show. Um, lovely ladies who talk about Batman just the same way that Craig and I do. Um, they have a couple episodes out now. Well, the first one was about Batman 89. The second one was about the Court of Owls, the, the, the story, the book. And I think they just had a third, fourth episode drop. The third episode was regarding the Harley Quinn character. And they had one of the staff writers of the Harley Quinn show on to talk about it. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, it's a fun. It's, they do good work. I've, I've liked everything I've heard so far. I, I really enjoy their show. Uh, so, by all means, guys, check out the Batshit Pod. It's a fun shout out podcast. to them for the name. I love that name. Right? It's pretty <laughs> clever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But when I heard their episode of them talking about the Court of Owls story, I was that's when I prompted our idea of, yeah. well, what if we did an episode catered towards a villain or villains, per se, mm -hmm. and we do an episode that is all about said villain? I don't necessarily know if there's a name for it, like... Bat signal on the villain, signal spotlight <laughs> on the villain. I don't really know, um, but definitely, we're, we're, the idea is that we want to try and do episodes that are catered specifically towards 
certain supervillains in Batman Rose Gallery. And the first one that came to mind for us immediately, given that we're just uh, under a week away from Halloween, um, spooky-themed, who more spookier than the most recent big impact on Batman's Rogues Gallery than the Court of Owls themselves. Yep. And I, you know, Craig and I, Craig has, you have the whole, like, Court, Night, and City of Owls, or is it just Court and City of Owls? Story. Uh, yeah, it, I believe it's the, I think it's the whole thing. It's the Court of Owls, City of Owls, uh, Night of the Owls. And I have the same thing. Yeah. So, I remember when this story came out and how much of an impact, the like an immediate quick impact, the Court of Owls had on Batman, Batman fans, and yeah. just pop culture in general. Like, they... they if I'm not mistaken, that that was DC, one of DC's best-selling books in 2011 for the new 52 relaunch was yeah. because of the Court of Owls. And, like, I don't know. Like, I, I find the concept of that super fascinating in that, you know, Batman, as we've known him, is just this intrinsic detective who has Gotham City literally under watch every single night. He knows everything about this city. And then Scott Snyder comes onto the book and brings an element of, well, what if there was something that Batman did not know about? What if there was something that predates Batman that goes way back to when his, you know, his ancestors were still building Gotham? And what if that society existed? And what if they still exist to this day? And how do they operate? And then enters the Court of Owls in that it's an it, it's birth as a legend throughout Gotham City and... I don't have the rhyme in front of me, but I'm going to go ahead and pull it up. But essentially, like, it, it, the, the Court of Owls is a secret society that has been in control and behind the shadows of Gotham City since the late 1800s. Yep. And I just, the fact that you have this this family, this, this group that are so in the shadows that even Batman doesn't know about him, and even he's taken by surprise by what they already know about him. So, the the poem goes like this. Beware the court of owls that watches all the time, ruling Gotham from a shadow perch behind granite and lime. They watch you at your hearth. They watch you at your bed. Speak not a whispered word of them, or they'll send the talon for your head. Now, when I read this story initially, it was a weekly thing. Did I read it weekly? No, I waited. I was kind of foolish. I was getting Batman and Robin that Peter J. Tomasi was writing, and I waited to get Court of Owls until it was all collected. And then they did the first volume, and I read it in one sitting, and I was like, wow, this is something else. And I kind of kicked myself in the ass for it for not getting it as it came out. Yeah, see, for me, you know, like our listeners have known, I'm just recently getting back into, you know, catching up on, for decade, almost two decades worth of comics that I haven't been reading, mm-hmm. and so you know the very first storyline that I read was when I got this like giant hardcover Batman collection uh, last year was the Court of Owls storyline, and I'm glad I got that because man I couldn't put it down. I read through the whole thing in one night. I was completely entranced by the story, and I think the fact that. You take you you take into consideration that like you have a foe or a group of foes in this case that Batman was completely unaware of, and yet it's the secret society who's basically been running Gotham City from behind the shadows. They've been watching him work this entire time, and it's just like 
why now? Well, you could probably argue that that's up to, you know, interpretation of just why they decided to act, but I guess that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. But, like, they literally come into play as Batman is figuring out that this 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 rhyme, this, you know, children's story is more than just a children's story. Like, they're real. When a slew of murders start to happen, and they're all happening in a similar vein, and it also ties back to his own family ancestry from his great-great-grandfather, Alan Wayne who was murdered in a similar fashion of a John Doe that he finds Mm -hmm. in an apartment somewhere later on. And then the even bigger twist by the end of the first volume, by the end of the first volume, by the end of the court of Owl story is that the assassin that was kit was tracking Bruce Wayne and going to kill him. And like, you know, almost got him was a character named William Cobb, who turns out to be Dick Grayson's great, great grandfather. And then you find out that Dick Grayson was being courted to be a court of owl mm-hmm. which opens up a whole big like whoa what the hell's going on type of scenario and then you get into night of the owls and city of the owls you see a whole group of talents swarm wayne manor you see batman take them all out left and right in the big old hell bad armor yeah. oh man this whole story just rules 10 ways to sunday that was one of my favorite moments in that storyline when he gets in the suit. And I think at one point, Alfred basically says like, you know, they're, they're basic. They're, would you say zombies kind of reanimated corpses? I wouldn't quite call them zombies. And Batman just kind of like grins and goes good. So I, I don't have to hold back. And he just, (laughs) he starts ripping these talons apart. Get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah, that was done by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. They are credited as the creators of the Court of Owls. They've been used since then. Uh, they were mm-hmm. used in the movie Batman vs. Robin. Um, they are some of the main antagonists in Gotham Knights. Yeah. 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 I didn't get that far, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Yeah, apparently they were also, uh, I didn't watch much of the show, but I guess they were in the Gotham TV series too? Yes, they were. Mm. They were. I didn't get too far in it, but I do remember <laughs> the Easter eggs that led into them being introduced. Yeah, they are in fact a thing in that show. Eesh. Yep. <laughs> Still haven't watched all of it. I bowed out after like season two, midway yeah. through season two, something like that. Just shrugging my shoulders because <laughs> meh, eh. But the, and the other thing too is, you know, one of the most unique things I think when I was reading this whole owl storyline is the way they just completely break Bruce. Oh yeah. Um, when they get him into that, uh, what would you even say? Like this maze almost. That's exactly what it is. So Bruce goes to investigate the sewer in which his great grand great great grandfather was found in and he winds up getting caught by the talon the talon takes him to the maze and he's met by you know a couple of the heads of the court and they're like welcome to our maze have fun getting out and batman is literally he spends eight days in this maze driving himself insane trying to get out of this thing and like the art in that is just that's some of the trippiest art i have seen in a while like Because you, you have to really feel the struggle that he's going through trying to get out of this place. Like so much so, it's intentionally in the book where you have to flip your book to the side yeah. and then upside down. Yeah, yeah. 
Like it's literally the story is playing with your perspective as a reader. Literally. I mean, and that's another thing that I think if these, if the court of owls is believed to be rumor has it that they're going to be in the, the sequel. And I could absolutely see, and we've talked about this before on the show. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I, I could see a version of the court of owls being present in the Batman universe. Well, yeah, I mean, just I kind of I think we both kind of had the feeling, you know, when the trailers were coming out for the movie, how they were hinting, you know, at the time before we saw the movie, of course, they were kind of hinting that the Riddler had this he had this secret that he wanted to expose this like this dark side of Gotham that he wanted to expose. And I'm sitting there going, does he know about the Court of Owls? Like, is the Court of Owls a thing in this world? And is that kind of what the Riddler is trying to reveal? Now, obviously, that's not what happened in the first film. But you could very well see that, like, if we already saw this under this dark underbelly of Gotham, there's probably more to it than that. And that's definitely where the Court of Owls can come in. Well, even thinking about more specific plot lines regarding the Batman film, you know, you have the renewal project, which was, you know, yep. a big fund set by his father. After his father died, Carmine Falcone went for a bigger piece of the pie just yep. to get rid of, by getting rid of Salvatore Moroni. Who else had ties to that renewal fund? And now that the renewal fund is essentially defunct, who does that affect? What kind of effect does that have on Gotham city and who's going mm-hmm. to come out and, make somebody pay for that yep and considering that the court of owls is comprised of a lot of gotham's elite behind secret shadows and white masks very well could leave it up to interpretation that they could come out of the shadows and after losing a big portion of their funds if they have ties to the renewal fund yeah and i mean just like what we saw in the batman this is one of the first times where we've seen that maybe the Waynes were not as like altruistic as we thought, you know, this was a, this was a very different side of the Waynes that was revealed in the first, in the, in the Batman. So maybe there are ties there that we still haven't seen yet. Yeah. And that, that was a, I think we talked about that too. Like what if the Waynes had ties to the court of owls and Mm -hmm. in, well, the, initial run the court of owls there are because they wound up killing his great great grandfather right but it yeah. makes you wonder like could thomas wayne have also helped fund some of the buildings that the court of owls used over the years because mm-hmm. that also came into play in the court of owls story that you find out that that alan alan wayne was an architect and, and yeah i think he was an architect anyway the buildings he built wound up being nests for the owls i could very well see that coming into play now especially considering that gotham city is flooded if you're gonna have a movie that takes place in a bunch of top side buildings yep well court of owls well we also have to remember too this uh the batman also introduced this concept that i know martha wayne Mm -hmm. she had some issues she was in arkham I'm very curious to see, like, what were her side of the family trying to hide? That is a damn good question. Yeah. Like, what if her, what if the Arkhams were tied into 
Court of Owls somehow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. is that going to tie into the Arkham series that's coming up? Holy shit, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly I was just thinking that. <laughs> Good eye. Craig's a better detective than I am, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 and also, you know, let, let's be real. Like, if, if Matt Reeves put a talon in live action. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It, it, game over. Robert it, Pattinson's Batman versus a talon. Exactly. How do you overcome something that's essentially an undead husk? Yeah. And in, in the book, they elaborate on it. Like, you have to get them in extreme cold to make them shut down. Yeah. Which, Makes sense. Put them on ice. Or or just have Robert Pattinson get into a giant mech suit and blow him up. Yeah, that too. I don't see that <laughs> happening, but yeah, that could happen. Yeah. Um, Mr. Freeze. I'll just say yeah. that. Mr. Freeze. Oh, man. And oh, I just thought of that too. If they introduce the Court of Owls, that could lead us to Mr. Freeze and the Matt Reeves verse. Oh, man. Bingo. Oh, boy. But even just like the the overall look of the Talon, right? That that that, yeah. and you look at the way that they have, it would be like a literal antithesis of what Robert Pattinson's Batman is, because Robert Pattinson's mm-hmm. Batman has like you know the gauntlet grapnel hook, right? And he's got like the wingsuit, and he's got you know detective vision. Well, if you look at the Talon, the Talon has these really big wide goggles like owl eyes. They yeah. have their knives on their greaves, right? Yep. Like it's it it would just be. Like, could you imagine Robert Pattinson's Batman on just like chilling on a building or whatever, and then out and of nowhere he gets talent. ambushed? Yeah, he gets ambushed yeah. by a talent, right? Then they yep. like they roll over onto another building. You see them square off, and Robert Pattinson's Batman like says something, and the talent's just dead silent. Yeah, <laughs> just squares up. And by this point, too, you know, maybe in the next film, you know, he's established the Batcave a bit more. Yep. What if we get? the talent invasion of the Batcave. Oh my god. I, on, I in live action. I feel like if you were gonna do that, you would need a bigger cave. And I don't know what the status of his current cave is mm-hmm. because Gotham flooded, right? So And he also can't probably handle it all on his own, so maybe there's a Robin that should be there helping him out. Well you'd have to imagine like you know I th- I wanna say somewhere Matt Reeves talked about doing a robin at some point mm-hmm. like he's i don't i don't think he's shying away from doing robin by any stretch of the imagination and yeah i think a lot of people really want to see if if not robin just an outright batman family show up on live action yeah and honestly given that leslie grace's batgirl film got canned if i if i were matt reese would be like hey leslie yeah grace, for real do you want to be over. do you want to be batgirl do you want to be jeffrey gordon's daughter jeffrey wright's daughter and our, our universe i can make you a bat suit it'll work out i don't know i i personally i think she's ready to give wbd the finger but that's, yeah probably that, that's, after what she's gone through yeah no i i i truly i feel that that adil lrb and and bilal falal and leslie grace are just looking at wb like yeah f you we're not coming back or uh-huh. hell flip this hell flip the script make her robin Ooh. Give us a female Robin. You already know fanboys would have. Fit. Oh, I would love it. Oh, I would love it. I'd be, I'd be, licking up those fanboy tears. Oh, cry, cry all day. You know what I'd actually like to see? Harper Row. Yeah. Okay. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. But I feel like, since Titans is still a thing, I, yeah. w- I wonder if there's some kind of some still like 
some siloing going on between you know certain Batman characters. But again, I, I don't know. Like Ben Affleck's gonna be in like two other movies yeah. next year as Batman, and then Robert Pattinson's getting a whole freaking world built out mm-hmm. underneath his feet, right? So it's like I, I don't. I, I feel like if there would be any stipulations as far as character wise, it would have to be from like specific executives that have like some kind of iron grasp or like, no, you can't use the character that I'm currently using or some dumb BS like that. I don't know. Probably. But considering today's news, I don't, I don't know that any of that would even be remotely possible. So yeah, this, all of this news, especially, you know, finding out that James Gunn is now essentially co-running dc which is now and i believe it's now it's just dc studios correct Correct. so i mean it's going to be very interesting going forward from here well to see what direction they're going to go the interesting thing is in that thr article that dropped that news today was that they don't have oversight peter safran and james gunn who are now the new co-heads of dc studios they do not have oversight over joker to fully ado that's under Pam Abdi and Mike DeLuca Warner Brothers Pictures proper which Mm. is a little contradictory in regards to what they're being asked to head for so yeah I I don't know Um, but the, the question begs does Matt Reeves universe and everything pertaining to it does that all fall under James Gunn's purview now and yeah I think the question is more or less yes and no and the, th- the funny thing is, is when that news dropped today, number one, I laughed. Not, be- <laughs> not because I'm, I'm disappointed in it, not because I'm mad in it, just because I knew the minute that I saw that news, I knew everyone on the internet, more specifically Twitter, was going to be a gigantic shitstorm. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, within the hour, Twitter was an even bigger shitstorm than it's been <laughs> all damn week. Yeah, and like you were just saying, you know, the fact that I think I think the fact that James Gunn has experience with making these films, I think he has he's looking at Matt Reeves and he's giving I think he's going to give him that mutual respect and he's going to see that what he's created has gotten a lot of acclaim. And I think he's going to go Reeves, you do you, bro. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think you can take that and run a bit further with it in that. James Gunn has been on both sides of the fence. I mean, he got his start with yes. the superheroes yep. at well, he did the movie Super number one. Number two, yep. he got his big claim to fame with Guardians of the Galaxy over with Marvel Studios, with Kevin mm-hmm. Feige, of which he worked very closely with on the three movies. He got fired before making the third film, and then he got rehired for making the yeah. third film because the internet is an awful, terrible place, right? Mm-hmm. And then he jumps the gun. No pun intended. <laughs> he jumps gun, jumps ship over to DC to make the second Suicide Squad movie, which, depending on how you feel about it, that could very well, you know, measure your tastes of how he's mm-hmm. going to be. As, as, as And <sighs> step back and take take some thoughts because I'm talking too fast. <laughs> so he steps, he steps over to Warner Brothers and does the Suicide Squad. And that movie had a pretty big divisive line in it amongst fans critics whatever right i personally 
It's not my favorite James Gunn film. My favorite James Gunn superhero film to this day is still Guardians 1. I'll yep, happily admit that, but I know a lot of people like The Suicide Squad. I think The Suicide Squad is a fine, well-made movie, but there are certain things in it that I am just not a fan of. Peacemaker being one of them, the big doofy mm-hmm. title cards being another one, and even just like the big, giant, epic battle monster scope. I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. I just wish Star would have been used against the Justice League, but that's just my own preference speaking. That's not really a knock to the film itself. Star looked amazing. I will give cre- I will give credit where credit is due. Just don't ask me about Peacemaker. <laughs> just just do not talk to me about Peacemaker. Well, let's just not, okay? Anyway, the fact that James Gunn got carte blanche to make that movie the way that he did without little to no studio interference or insight whatsoever. He was handed notes by the studio to do some things different. I don't think he took any of them. Probably not. Probably not, right? So it would be extremely hypocritical of him now as the DC head to force his ideas onto other creatives, which is exactly has been the biggest problem, excuse me, the biggest problem that Warner Brothers has had over the last six to seven years. Yeah. And and a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but it's, it's the damn truth. James Gunn is basically getting to do what Zack Snyder wanted to do. Yeah. The only difference is... James Gunn gets complete and full autonomy over an entire studio, whereas Zack Snyder had a bunch of executives breathing down his neck of what needed to be done and what needed to work out and which film needed to come where. And he also tried to manage other filmmakers but not tell them how to make their movies. The only difference is they were working under Warner Brothers Pictures. Now, James Gunn has complete and full autonomy to just be like, yeah, I want this person to make this movie the way that they want to make it. And David Zaslav either goes yes or no. It's mm-hmm. that. It's literally that simple. But the thing is, David Zaslav, he's probably just going to be like, you're the filmmaker, you're the studio head. Do you. If you make yeah. money, you make money. If you don't, well, we know what we need to do next time. <laughs> right? Yep. Like, it, it's, it's so cut and dry. And also yeah. the fact that he is handling the creative talent side of things and his partner, Peter Safran, is handling the business and the 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 production budget etc cetera, etc cetera. you literally have two guys there who are basically kevin feige for dc which is exactly what david zaslev wanted in the first place yeah now another thing is that you'd have to imagine that after working under kevin feige for literally a decade working on him working with him on guardians one through three the holiday special and even having insight in on avengers endgame and avengers infinity war You'd have to imagine that he probably was paying attention, or maybe he wasn't paying attention. I don't know. I'm not trying to speak on behalf of James Gunn, but there's just a part of me that feels that because he has this job now, he's probably going to look at everything that he watched Kevin Feige do while he was making his movies and go, I want to be more like that. I don't want to be like the previous regime. I don't want to be like Walter Hamada telling The Rock, no, you can't have Henry Cavill be Superman in your Black Adam movie. Yep. Which was asinine and part of the reason why he probably got the boot. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, he's probably also not going to be like Jeff Johns in that, no, you need to write this into your movie. No, you need to have this scene in your movie. No, this character needs to be this way. No, we need to have Killer Croc say B-E-T-F-U, Jeff Johns. That was dumb. Yeah, I went there. 
cry. Just, just real quick. All you Jeff Johns fanboys, cry. (laughs) Just cry, because I know you're gonna cry. Just keep crying, because that's all you're good at doing. Crying. No, I think I think James Gunn is. And not even worst case scenario. I think this is arguably the shakeup that Zazlev has wanted, and they probably need. He's yeah, a filmmaker. They definitely need it. Yeah, he, he's a filmmaker. At the end of the day, like he started as a filmmaker, and now he's running a division for a studio around comic book characters, and he's going to ask other filmmakers to come in and make movies about these comic book characters. And apparently, he's also going to continue like directing and writing stuff too. So, yeah, he's got a secret movie apparently, which. which I'm- very curious to see what that's going to end up being. You know what I think it is? What do you think? Secret Six. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I firmly believe that he's working on a Secret Six movie. I'm, oh, if I'm I, wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. But I think it's Secret Six. We'll see. I don't know. He's going to do yeah. second season of Peacemaker, then off to the races with that. I don't know. But apparently him and uh, Safran signed a four-year deal for this, which is interesting because david zaslav wants like a 10-year plan for dc so i don't really know how that math works but maybe yeah. if, if things work out they'll probably re-up i don't know hell some people are even theorizing that david zaslav is just making everything nice and pretty for, for him to sell it off in a couple years <laughs> which wouldn't surprise me in the slightest but hey if you get dc if you get this studio to a point where you have dc working on its own autonomy and you sell it off after that then at that point they're still free to operate as is if this if 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 this comes in wake of batgirl i ain't mad yeah no it's, it's this pretty was, shitty this thing was to definitely, say but. i mean this was definitely one of the most surprising things to see you know we talked a couple of episodes back like i expressed like what direction are they going to go with uh, after the cancellation of Batgirl and the, uh, the Batman animated series that they didn't want to pick up? Uh, holding my breath on that one. But <laughs> that just knowing that now seeing where they are kind of setting things up, it's just really I'm very, very inter- interested to see what's going to happen from this point. And going back to, again, you know, that that whole notion of whether or not Matt Reeves will have his oversight done by James Gunn or Warner Brothers Pictures proper like Todd Phillips and Joker, um, I I, I don't know. I I just don't see a situation where Matt Reeves turns in his script and then you have someone going, well, you can't do this, this, and this. I, I don't see that happening at all. Matter of fact, I could absolutely just see him turning in a script and if it does include the court of owls you probably have a lot of people at wb and dc going okay we're listening but yeah i I can absolutely see a situation i don't see a situation where you have matt reeves turning in his script and then people at wb or dc going uh you need to do this that and the other no i i think it's going to be if he if big if because we don't know what kind of story he's writing for the second film it could be a continuation of what's going on with the riddler you could introduce two-face and have him be an attorney whatever but in the event that you have the court of owls and i would hope that they get the introduction i'm hoping i don't know but i would imagine that if the court of owls are in that script you probably have people at dc leaning forward going go on yeah we're listening yeah yeah 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I really like the idea of the Court of Owls being in the Batman universe. Yeah, I think I think it's time. We've seen them, like you said, we've seen them in an animated movie. We've seen them in, you know, uh, supposedly in the Gotham Knights game. You didn't, you didn't get far enough to see if they're actually a part of it. Well, I mean, they're in the marketing and whatnot, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah, they're in the game, but I just didn't get far enough to actually give a damn or witness <laughs> them. So it's like, it's it's time for them to get their big screen debut. And it, it wouldn't be the first time that a newer villain got put into a movie. I mean, the most recent thing that I can think of would be Bane because he was introduced Mm -hmm. in Nightfall in 1993 and they immediately fast-tracked him to be in Batman Batman and Robin. Uh Hey, at least it's more watchable than (laughs) Thor Love and Thunder, okay? This is very true. Yes, I will watch that any day. Boom. (laughs) Boom. No, but like I, I, I absolutely see the, the 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 potential. And even like just thinking of the striking visuals of the Court of Owls story, could you also imagine Robert Pattinson's Batman oh, for like a good boy. solid half yeah. hour, forty five minutes, just wandering through a maze, losing his mind? The the kind of cinematography that Reeves could pull off with that would be astounding. Oh, I'd lose my shit. And it it has to be of like limestone and, and granite. It has yeah. it has to be. Yeah. And then you have to do like the giant owl fountain too. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that would be <laughs> spectacular. No, I I would I would pay good money to see the Court of Owls in a live action movie. Because I mean, you know, they've been, they've been done. You know, as we mentioned, like in Gotham Knights, they've been done in the Gotham TV show. They've been done in animated form from Batman versus Robin, right? Like it, it's they got done Harley Quinn, which that was who boy, that was hilarious. That was that was something. That was. <laughs> thank you for mentioning that because yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> I almost forgot about that, but you're right. They they did. I, I remember when you told me you were like, "Yeah, the Court of Owls is gonna be in an upcoming episode of Harley Quinn." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. I'll check it out." And I watched the episode. I'm like, oh. Oh my! Oh, it's okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, this is the direction it went. It's like they wrote that episode after seeing an episode of The Boys, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, "Here, hold our beer." <laughs> For anyone who watched Harley Quinn, you know full well what we're talking about. Yeah. Because that that was funny as hell. But seriously, it, and even just thinking about like merchandising like i don't know oh, yeah i, I don't oh, even geez. know that i think the last time i saw court of owls toys or anything like that i think was years ago when they came out in comics yeah i do remember uh really one of the only times i saw like merchandise i remember you could find like the court of owls storyline book and it came with like the mask i have that oh you do nice yeah matter of fact i've, I've got a facebook picture of me with the mask on <laughs> And it's got the Court of Owls rhyme to it, too. So, yeah, there's that. But, yeah, you could definitely, oh, man, you would see those masks everywhere if they came out into the second film. 100%. That would actually probably be a marketing tactic, I would bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Flash mobs of people in Court of Owls get-ups. Well, not only that, like, you'd have to imagine if they do the Court of Owls, the talent would most certainly get the McFarlane Toys treatment. Oh, for sure. And it would probably look pretty exceptional. But 
time will tell. Uh, the earliest I saw that the Batman sequel could come out, 2025. Yeah, probably. That's at the earliest. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But it gives them time to, I mean, bet- between now and then, you know, we're probably going to get the Arkham show. We're going to get the Penguin show. And I have a feeling all of these side stories in a way are going to lead into the second film it's a possibility or even i was just thinking what if there was an entire film dedicated to the court of owls that would be interesting and it's just like it's it's a mostly silent film where you just watch this talon killing people (laughs) you just watch a talon just go around murking people uttering yeah. the uttering the rhyme or you hear the rhyme get uttered or whatever right and it, it's just like you just see talons killing people left and right and like the gcpd going why are people getting off left and right what mm-hmm. the hell's going on <laughs> and then at the end of the movie batman's like uh court of owls huh okay <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was a nursery rhyme my dad used to tell me to go to sleep <laughs> No, I, I think there is a, a grand potential there for the Court of Owls. Matter of fact, I would actually like to see them show up in another animated show, Cape Crusader. Oh, yeah, that would be great. It, it feels like that's that's something that would be in that realm, right? Like, yeah. Because Cape Crusader is supposed to be like a, you know, a spirited sequel-ish continue not continuation but like a spiritual successor to the animated series mm-hmm. and it's just like i don't i don't see why not yeah why not watch it on netflix instead of hbo max well they like, to, they like to split their profits instead of take it off for themselves uh, apparently dumbasses i didn't make the call buddy Ugh. gun first thing you need to do slap them and make them take it back <laughs> i just I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You know what? You, you know what's funny? There's actually one place where I do not want to see the Court of Owls come up. What's that? Titans. Oh God, no. <laughs> that's just Please, me. Being, no. that's, that's just me being an asshole. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I, I that Or show. don't forget, there's still the Gotham Knights TV show. Oh boy! Yeah, I, I didn't say anything because I don't think that was. Just, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what if they showed up in that? What if oh. they showed up in that and it actually looked accurate? And oh. It was accurate. What if that was? What if that was the best thing about the, the Gotham best, Night Show? The best portrayal of the Court of Owls. Well, it couldn't be worse than Gotham, I suppose. Ugh. Of which, still haven't seen all of <laughs> its entirety. So I watched like half of season two before i bailed and then i came back to it just to watch the finale Oof. that awesome suit at the end of it. oh boy <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. It, it, it didn't make you want to go back and be like man i gotta see how all of this came to be no <laughs> no not even in the slightest <laughs> no 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 that's a shame not really <laughs> maybe one day we'll watch gotham in its entirety for nothing but shits and giggles folks maybe just oh maybe my god craig's gonna need a lot of alcohol to get through that no that that's remember how we had a drink for batman and robin 
I look back on that and I think of the fun we had about an hour into it, and then yeah. the, and then the last hour was agonizing. It was st- it was that turning point. <laughs> I remember specifically when you were just like, "We still have an hour left of this," <laughs> and that's when it changed from like goofy fun stuff to just like this movie's so terrible. Batman and Robin commentary track, folks. We did that last year for Christmas. I don't know mm-hmm. what we're going to do this year for Christmas, but it might be something. I don't know. Mm, what do, Batman 66? Batman Returns. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah. Give my flipper trick an old wig. Yeah. <laughs> Give the flipper trick an old wiggle. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> it is a Christmas movie. Yeah, it is. It does. Yeah. I consider it a Christmas movie. And there's, you know, man, Batman sixty six. That'd be kind of. I did actually just rewatch that. Funny enough, Batman I watched. 66. I watched it all the time as a kid. I had the VHS. It's on HBO Max. Yes, I'm that old. I, you know, I think I had the VHS too. That doesn't mean I'm nearly as old as Craig, though. No, no one's old as me. I'm. I'm like a day away from dying. Just knocked on wood for you. <laughs> Been knocking on wood every day for like the past month. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but no, like, I just think that there's so much potential there with the Court of Owls, with how much of an yeah. impact they've had, and in only eleven year time span, these the Court of Owls is not old at all. Mm-mm. No, they're definitely. It's it's funny too because you know, in just one set of stories, they have really risen in the mentioning of of the Rogues Gallery of Batman. Oh, they've easily, you know, like, come into the top tier. Yeah, you've got, like, you know, you've got Joker, you've got Poison Ivy, you've got, you know, Bane. And I would really say, I think Bane was the last one prior to the Court of Owls in terms of, like, a newer villain that made such an impact. I really can't think of anyone in between then. I would have to look at the timeline of which villains appeared where, but I think that that's... That's about. That's accurate. Bane was the last one to really leave an impression and be put into medium as fast, that fast. So yeah, that sounds about right. And I mean, it is kind of now that you think about it too. Two sides of the same coin, you know. Bane broke the bat physically, and to an extent, the Court of Owls broke the bat mentally. They came close. They they came real close to breaking him mentally. Yeah. Um. They did, in a way, almost what the Black Glove did during the R.I.P. Grant Morrison stuff, because that that storyline came pretty close to breaking Batman to the point where he had to... Grant Morrison did this really intricate thing where he did a callback to the Silver Age and did the Batman of Zura and R, where he's got like a, a yellow and red costume and a purple cowl. Oh, yeah, I have, I've seen art of that. So essentially what happens is is there's a a society called the black glove run by this cat who believed to be thomas wayne he wears like an old suit and like he he basically breaks bruce mentally right to the point where bruce triggers himself to call upon another not personality per se but another mindset i guess i I don't really remember it's been a long time since i've read the batman rip black glove stuff but he essentially has to call forth another part of himself to bring him back to sanity and that 
version is the Batman of Zur and R. Interesting. It's wild, as Grant Morrison tales usually tend to be. So it's still Bruce. It's just like it's another side of his psyche, almost. Almost, yeah. Interesting. It's it's nuts, and that's like the the best worst way I could probably yeah. explain it to you. And again, that's so interesting too, because you think of you know the Bane storyline after Bane breaks Batman's back and he hands the cowl over to Azrael because mm-hmm. he physically could not handle it any longer. And the shit part was like that 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 whole story culminated in like Dick telling him like why the hell didn't you ask me? Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> and then he wound up putting it on, and then I think the prodigal or Troika. No, Troika was when he reclaimed the role. Prodigal, I think, is when Dick took it over after John Paul. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because there's yeah. like, because there, like, there's there's Nightfall, Night Quest, Night End, and then there's like Prodigal and Troika. It's like this big five part giant arc of like batman just getting his back broken and then having to recover deal with azrael and learn what it means to be batman again it's a giant story giant giant story from chuck dixon it's epic gave us that terminator looking batman Mm. Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm but no i I think you're right in that you know there really hasn't been a villain in, in a long while that have done that since bane since now with the court of owls i don't know that there's been a villain now that you could probably put on that same pedestal. I mean, I would argue that maybe Mr. Bloom, who was also introduced in mm-hmm. the Snyder Capullo run, he might come close, but not quite. Um, there's a the villain. Only, the only thing I can think of is the Batman who laughs. Yeah. Yeah. You're you, okay. You got me there, which again, another Scott Snyder creation. Yeah. Which, and even then, but even then, you know, Batman who laughs is even newer than, Court of Owls. Right, he's only so. been introduced within the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 2018, I think, right? Yeah, I think it was uh, early, uh, mid-2018? It was from the Metal story. Yep. Dark Knight's Metal. Dark Knight's Metal. Well, he appeared in, like, Dark Days the Forge. That's when he first appeared, but the main story in which his his you know, his plan and stuff took place was Dark Knight's Metal and then Death Metal, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Could be wrong about that, but that that sounds right. Batman Who Laughs' uh, first appearance was Dark Days, the casting number one the in casting. September of 2017. That's what it was. I thought it was The Forge, but it was The Casting. Yeah, that was an interesting run. I mean, Scott Snyder's just been just an all-around epic Batman writer for the majority of the time that he worked on Batman. Like, there there wasn't really a, a slow or bad beat. Yeah. I, mean, I still need to finish that, actually. I started the Dark Knight's Metal storyline, but I haven't finished it yet. I have that, and I have Death Metal. I love them both. I don't know which one I like more, but I like them both a lot. And, you know... Scott Snyder, he's he's just he was pretty perfect to do that story. I mean, he, because the funny thing is about the new Fifty Two line was they wanted complete rehauls and reboots of everyone except for Batman and Green Lantern, <laughs> which is ironic. Yeah, because before the new Fifty Two happened, Dick Grayson was still Batman. 
so oh. <laughs> so conceivably, I learned this from the Batshit podcast. I had no idea, but apparently the the Court of Owls story was actually meant to be for Dick Grayson as Batman. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It was going to be Dick going through all that, right? And when you think when you think about it, the way he was tied into being being courted to being a Court of Owl, mm-hmm. almost makes more sense. Yeah, it does for, for it to be a Dick Grayson story, right? So, yeah, I could. I, I could see a, a version of that story where it's Dick Grayson as Batman being the one to figure all this out. But when New 52 happened, DC wanted pretty much everyone except for Batman and Green Lantern to get redone, rebooted. So when Batman's... Basically, Batman's mythology remained largely untouched. All they did was just age everyone down by about five years, which I thought was kind of stupid, but... <laughs> oh, well. Then the other thing that kind of chapped my ass about that was when Grant Morrison killed Damian Wayne. I was really sore about that. Mm. Killed him in the Leviathan storyline. That, that made me really sore. I was a little butthurt about that, not gonna lie. <laughs> Almost as butthurt as I was when Rick Flagg died in the Suicide Squad. Oh, there we go. I knew I knew at some point, I was when you were talking about Suicide Squad, I wanted to say the name Rick Flagg just to get a response out of you, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still butthurt about that. <laughs> yep. And the guy who did that is now the head of DC Films. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, James Gunn! Who knows, maybe he'll bring him back. <laughs> Somehow. No, I, I doubt it. Yeah. No, the, the thing to do would be do Rick Flagg Jr. There you go. <laughs> but I, I don't see that happening at all. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. The, the fun rumor that I've seen is that maybe or maybe not Deathstroke might come into play in Peacemaker Season 2, but we'll see. Okay, that I'm a little more intrigued now. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really like Peacemaker that much. Mm, but, it, but if you bring back Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke and he just, mm-hmm. you know, lays a can of whoop-ass on John Cena, <laughs> you might have me. <laughs> you might. You just might. I don't know. I have no idea. I just want the Court of Owls in live action. That's what I want. Yep. Give me all the Court of Owls. Give me the court. Just give me the court. I want the Court of Owls. That's what I want. Please and thank you. <laughs> Matt Reeves, if you're listening, please. Court of Owls. Yes, no, maybe so. Huh, huh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, and Mr. Freeze, too, huh? Nah, it's going to be the ventriloquist. You know, funny you mentioned that. Uh, there is a story called Batman the Imposter, and the ventriloquist actually plays a part in that. Really? Yes. Huh. And it is written by one of the co-writers for the second Batman film, the Bat- for the sequel for the Batman. Uh, oh, Mattson- really? Mattson Tomlin. Yes, he wrote the story Batman I, the Imposter. I knew that. That's why I brought it up. Duh. Yes. Yes, indeedy. He is co-writing the movie with uh, Matt Reeves. Interesting. Matter of fact, I think he got an uncredited right on the Batman. Oh. Yeah, I like I like Matt Tomlin. I think he's a good writer. I think he wrote a really solid Batman story with the Imposter. It was arguably one of the best Batman books of last year, I would say. I liked it quite a bit. Between that and The Detective by Tom Taylor. So, the fact he's writing the movie with Matt Reeves has me all sorts of happy. 
Yeah, it's going to be I think this this next couple of months, like I said, as we learn more and more about what kind of direction they're going in, this is this is going to be an interesting time period now for DC and Warner Brothers. You know what's funny? In all the years I've seen since the Court of Owls have been out, I have not seen one cosplay of a Talon. Really? Mm-hmm. Maybe huh. I'm just blind or haven't seen any, but yeah, I've not seen one. Like, I've seen people wear the owl masks, the white owl masks, but I've never seen a Talon get cosplayed at all. Hmm. Maybe I'll make one. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. We shall see. We shall see. I don't know. I, I, I got... I just want again. I'm just going to keep reiterating it. If I sound like a broken record, folks, I'm sorry, but just <laughs> give, give me the Court of Owls in live action in a live action film. That would be awesome. And hell, you know what? I'll even throw y'all a bone, all you DCU fans a bone out there. What if Ben Affleck's Batman dealt with the Court of Owls? That'd be pretty effing sweet too. I'm fine with that. I think if it's involving anything Ben Affleck's Batman, people are probably fine with it. Yeah. That's kind of a given. Unless he dies, that would kind of suck. No. Oh, Why you got to throw that out there? Because it was in the initial plan. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. We'll see what James Gunn decides to do with the DCEU. And in the meantime, hopefully, hopefully Matt Reeves will get to really flesh out the Batman universe in a way that he wishes. So The BCEU. Batman Cinematic Ascended Universe. Mm -hmm. Damn, I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> I'm so glad I got that right off the first try. Sweet. Well, buddy, it's getting kind of late. I, I've got to be at work in the morning. I know you do, too. You've got Sir. a kiddo that's sleeping right now, so I'm sure she's probably going to get off to school. Yep. But I get, you're, you're, are you still on your social cleanse? I am. I am thinking of coming back soon, though. So... Maybe we'll do it. Maybe do it after the holidays, and also I'd recommend just waiting a couple weeks because the internet's been an absolute shitstorm after today. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, I am thinking. I'm thinking after holiday. Maybe I just start like maybe like January first. I just come back and just start fresh. See, there you go. If you come back sooner, no skin off my back. That's for sure. Yeah. Big bad Craig will come back. Big bad Craig. That's right. Maybe maybe evil unfiltered might show up too. Who knows. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, um, if you guys want to follow me and my shenanigans, uh, unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D, three D's, not five. You can catch me on all the socials, Twitter, Vero, Instagram, and you can also catch us on Facebook and catch this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, capital T-E-K underscore podcast. And feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. It really helps the show get noticed. We'd love to hear from you guys, too. Feel free to drop us an email, eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Seriously, if there are any villains you guys would like to hear us talk about or villains that you think are also in that giant pantheon and worthy of discussion, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But as we always like to say at the end of every episode, maybe at least more recently, uh, keep it classy in the cave, people. Have a great day or night, whatever your listening preference is. Take it easy. Take care, everyone. I don't know if it's Bruce Wayne or Batman the courts come for, but either way, they're about to get a welcome they'll never forget.
hell are these things? For listening to the Eternal Night podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, all thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for TEK underscore podcast. Thank you.